Hey, welcome to Art Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Tun Yang. For those who are just tuning in, I'm an artist living and working in New York, and I produce and host this podcast on my free time. For our dedicated listeners, welcome back, and I hope you enjoy this one. I know some listeners don't get a chance to go to the openings in Chelsea, so I do my best to give you an idea of what's out there. I went out in the drizzling rain to cover some galleries because I got some really good feedback on the last bonus episode. And I've also been working with the developer of podcast chapters to bring you images with the episodes you can actually see the art mentioned in the interviews. Shout out to Frederick Bjorman for working with me on this issue. If it gets fixed in time, you will actually be able to see the images on your phone as you listen to the podcast, which would be amazing. So the first gallery I hit up was Made in Japan 2020 show at NoHo M55 Gallery, which is in the 530 West Building on West 25th Street. It is a show curated by Arisa Atami. Now, there wasn't much info on the website, so I didn't know what to expect. A little note about the building. As you arrive inside the entrance of the building, you're going to be confronted with a small vestibule with an elevator. Now, it was a long wait for the elevator, and it was a bit difficult to find the gallery, but I managed navigating through the labyrinth once I got on the fourth floor. I think it was the only opening on that floor that night, and I finally found it. The girl at the door asked me to give me my email, and I felt a blush, so I did. I didn't take any pictures or interview anyone there, but I'll provide some images I found on their Instagram page. So the show was packed tight with paintings, drawings, and sculptures, and it felt a little bit like a graduate show. The subject matter of the work was all over the place, but you should definitely check it out if you want a taste of what contemporary Japanese artists are working on. I didn't interview anyone there. I left the building a bit worried I wouldn't do any interviews that night. I went across the street to the 521 West building. It's a bit more hopeful, and I actually ran into a friend of mine, Jean-Pierre Roy, who was just entering the building as I went in. He actually had some bad news for me about a musician we both saw last week at Wade Schumann's album release party of Hasmat Modine. It was a box of bread at Les Pêches Rouge. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Butchering it. Okay, so... One of the cover artists for his husband Modine's show was a man named Bala Koyate, who actually had a special instrument that's been handed down by his family for generations. He spoke about this thing at length at the show and was really proud of it. Unfortunately, TSA broke it to pieces when he flew out the country. JP and I just commiserated about the sad news as we went up to the top floor. It was the Davison's Gallery that was showing the work of late Purvis Young titled Under a Concrete Sky. JP disappeared behind some secret door in the gallery as soon as we got up. There weren't a lot of people there and everyone seems to be coupled up so I didn't want to bother them. I went upstairs to look at the work after reading the press release. The paintings were quite consistent in their loose handling of the forms which were handled in this non-self-conscious manner. It's really playful and energetic. It's actually the opposite of what I was feeling at that point. The subject matter was heavy and I enjoyed it more after I did a bit more research on the artist. So Purvis passed away at age 67, broke, but 
He was a prolific painter, and he was entirely self-taught. Now, this body of work was actually acquired directly from him, and it references Overtown, which is a neighborhood in Miami where the artist lived and worked. The title refers to the interstate that was built atop their neighborhood in the 1960s. After that, I went down to the fifth floor uh, to the Body of Evidence show at Lawrence Miller Gallery. It had a bit more people there, and I was looking forward to the show based on the images I saw online. It was a group show of well-known photographers like Diane Arbus, Kiki Smith, just to name a few. But once I arrived, I was a little hesitant to interview people again because it was just one room next to the elevator and the reception desk. So it made me a bit too self-conscious. I just imagined this nice woman behind the desk just shushing me if I started talking to people and asking them for an interview. Mind you, I'm somewhat of an introvert, so interviewing random strangers while going out by myself is still a little bit intimidating. Doing my best, though. So the photographs were powerful in the subject matter with really strong narratives, but the presentation took away from it, I thought. I wanted them to be bigger and presented under better lighting, so I walked away from it underwhelmed with the entire experience. I headed downstairs by using the fire escape because the elevator was taking too long. I heard a lot of noise in the basement, so I decided to check it out. It turned out to be a Japanese calligraphy show at Onishi Gallery titled Kare Five Wings. It's a New York calligraphy exhibition. The place was packed and loud since it was in a small space. I was greeted by a really nice Japanese lady in a classic Japanese manner, and she started speaking to me in Japanese. Uh, so I had to politely tell her I didn't understand. She told me to sign my name with a calligraphy pen on an expensive looking paper, which was the fanciest guest book I've seen. Since the place was so packed, it was actually a little difficult to see the work, but the calligraphy looked aesthetically pleasing amongst this chaos of the opening. Since I didn't know too much about the Japanese calligraphy or the show, I decided to not interview anyone there either, plus it was way too loud. I was afraid at this point about not interviewing anyone that night, and the pressure was on. I went across the street towards the 526 building in a more hopeful attitude. The elevator was packed with people, and a bunch of teenagers were there too. One of them was holding a naked beer bottle, trying to impress his little girlfriend how he got arrested on the street before. So I made a note of which floor they got off so I could check out the show later. I thought it would be a good idea to start at the top floor gallery and work my way down. This was the David Kurt Projects titled Seeds by Judy Harvest. It looked promising and the press was compelling. It's actually the gallery's first solo exhibition with the artist and it is about the lives of honeybees and their roles in our global food chain. As soon as I got in there, the show looked promising, even though it was a small space too. There were a lot of things packed tightly in that little room, uh, including big paintings and small objects encased in two glass boxes, which were the main attraction. I finally got the courage to approach the first person of the night, who was a blonde girl that was there with a group of her girlfriends, who all looked really intrigued with the work there. As soon as I approached her, she told me she didn't know anything about the work, but her friend did, so she told me to go talk to her. So her friend actually didn't want to go on record and was pretty shy with the mic, so we just had a great conversation about seeds and agriculture. It turned out that it was her birthday, 
And even though she didn't know about the art, she was a big fan of seed and cultivation. She worked at a very special restaurant where the chef was on the 100 most important people list and had a seed company where he creates cross-pollination to add flavor to the food, which are all made in the U.S. So, happy birthday to you, girl I can't name. I finally got a great interview with a guy that turned out to be yeah. a friend of the artist. I'll let him talk about the art. What is your reaction to the work here, and um, what do you think about the show? Like, and which one's your favorite piece? Well, um, I've known Judy for a number of years, and um, um, I'd have to say my favorite piece is the one that we're right in front of, actually. Oh, because okay. the amber colors, yep. really, I find that really soothing. And um, I know she's done a lot of work with bees. Obviously, that's a big part of right. her work. Yeah. Um, and um, is this um, her usual repertoire? Because I don't actually know too much about her past works. Is this, uh, does well, she usually do like this size paintings and this medium? I, I would have to say both, really. Um, okay. Where I first became acquainted with her was more of the bee-related things. Actually, oh, do tell. My wife is a dancer, and uh -huh. she became friendly with her. And in her dancing, there was sort of a, for lack of a pardon upon cross-pollination of, of right. the arts where um, yeah. my wife did a dance thing where Judy faced certain pieces of artwork after the motions that they were making. Oh, Similar okay. to, uh, if you know how these have a waggle dance. Yep. Um, yeah. So it was that sort of thing. So that's what really put Judy on my radar. Nice. Um, okay. And that was before the casting. But then I started to see, I think, the glass pillows, which I don't know. Oh, I don't think I didn't. The, they're not here. Okay. I don't think they're here. Okay. But that is some amazing work, also. All right. She, she designed them and had them made, and they look. I mean, the colors are very rich. Yeah. Which is something that that I like. Some of the colors are like sort this. of like the embers in there. Right. Um, or yellows or bright colors. Yeah. And they look very sort of ethereal. You know, I sort imagine. of almost like you could actually sleep on them and then right. take a close look, and it's glass. Actually, solid glass. Yeah. Oh man, that's so cool. Okay, I'm gonna. So okay, if you could own any of these pieces and you could go home with any artwork in this show right now, which one would it be? Oh, it would be this one. This it would one. Definitely this one. Definitely. Uh, I don't have a wall that big. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I mean, with not uh, uninterrupted with windows and right, that, right. You know, uh, but okay. but yeah, uh, space no object and everything. This would be my favorite one. Excellent. Well, thank you for you know, taking the You're time welcome. out to give me the feedback. Cool. Thank you. I headed downstairs to First Street Gallery uh, with a show called Semantic Net by Kyung Tae Kim. And it turned out this was the place where all the teenagers were congregated. I say teens, but they were probably in the early 20s. Who knows? The work was actually thought-provoking, but the entire vibe of the, of the room felt a little bit off. It looked like the teens were partying in the back room while the main room was full of Korean girls and their friends, so it was difficult to tell what was going on. I couldn't find a good way to start a conversation, so I left feeling a bit frustrated and as ignorant about the work as when I arrived. On my way out the building, I decided to stop by a random gallery which I saw on the way in. This was the Fergus McCaffrey Gallery, and the show title was Mercer Street. It's on 514 26th Street. The gallery was enormous, 
and had some very interesting art on display. So I approached a group of friendly guys who were having a conversation about one of their works. So yeah, um, we're here looking at, I guess, I'm going to take a picture of this, but <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's a hole in a wall <laughs> with a frame. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they did. Very expensive wall at that. I really like this one. We were talking about the um, the sort of you call it selective smaller grid. Oh yeah. yeah. But the oh, sort of okay. fade in and out um, on the upper left hands. Mm. I think I they're do fun. See that now. It's very subtle. Like you really have to pay attention to it to see what's happening in there. I don't know that they're. Uh, I don't know how much there is going on with these, but the fact that they do punch a hole deeper than uh, in the actual surface of the sort of canvas plane, as it were, uh, makes them fun. They're cool. You walk by, and then you kind of like you give them a second look because they've got a bit of a. You're not sure whether it's a trompe l'oeil thing, like maybe there's a mirror halfway inset right. there, and then you realize, oh, they just cut a hole in the gallery yeah. wall. Like, yeah, how simple. Uh, <laughs> you almost expect it to be something in there. Yeah. So maybe that's the point. Who knows? It's nice. Like, it, it, it provides that little moment of delight. Absolutely. Have you had a chance to look at everything in here yet? Except except bicycle wheels. wheels. Yeah, except the oh. bicycle wheels. Except the bicycle wheels. What is happening with the bicycle wheel? I don't know. Shall we mosey on over? Yeah, let's go check them out. Get a detailed observation of this. So you've looked at these already, I'm assuming. I just kind of passed by. I wanted a fresh look. Okay, okay. So we got, we got some little screens. Yeah. What is the screen doing? I'm curious about this connection here. It's it's wired up. Oh yeah, you're right. What's so it? I'm assuming oh, there's cool. some sort of fidelity, like when when there's tarnish or something. I'm assuming that the the um, image blurs. We can see. Oh, it, okay. At the same point, there should be around here. There should be. Yep. Oh, there we go. So this is actually a circuit, and I guess. It does nothing but blur the image? Well, that would mean as it continues oh. to go, it wears down and actually creates a better connection. I mean, right? yeah, so, okay, okay, wait. So are we, are we seeing the same thing, thing here? So yeah. the power for the screen is yep. routed through it and it's just, they're just electrifying the disc. And yeah. this thing has contacts on the other side. Yeah, feeding okay. back to the, okay. But as time goes on and the wear increases, it'll, it'll actually get a better contact surface. Right? So over time, the image will be better. Yeah, I guess. I don't know how long it's going to spin for, but... There was a really cool yes. the, um, Whitney Biennial, those clocks. Mm. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. There was um, this whole room of clocks where each second, each minute hand had a felt pad on the back of it. Okay. That would, as it went around, scrape at the numbers on the oh, clock no face. Way. So as the exhibit went on, the numbers on the clock face became more and more blurred. It's kind of the opposite. Okay. All right, so if you could walk away from any of these objects, pieces of artwork, today, which one would you pick? That one. <laughs> we, we already talked okay. about how it would be. 
I, I don't mean this in an insulting way. I honestly don't, because I think it's great. But yeah. it would be a phenomenal rug in my bedroom <laughs> if it could be translated to one. It would really work very well. So you well. would just put it on the floor, just like get well, it off the uh, I also like it as a hanging piece. I'm not sure I have space for it in my apartment. Um, but if I could scan it and turn it into a rug, I would love that. Would be, all right. Excellent. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time out to speak with me. And, you know, this is kind of cool because I'm, I'm actually finding out about these things too. Yeah. 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 All right. You guys have a good night. And uh, if you, so you want to check it out, it is... Um, Our grind. Okay. Yeah. So we're three I felt a bit better and was about to go home when I passed by an alley under the high line where there was some activity going on. Looked interesting, so I figured, why not? So I followed the path and was rewarded by a somewhat hidden gallery that turned out to be the biggest one I've seen that day. This was the Green Neftalen Gallery. It's 508 West 26th Street. And they were showing the work of Matthew Melov, titled The Fairy Godmother. The main showroom was behind rich velvety blue curtains. I got really excited about it until I realized what I was actually looking at. It was a room full of giant hipster art. Subject matter, low hanging fruits that make fun of popular culture. There were one liners that brought a smirk on your face as you connect this plethora of references dropped in the show like a shotgun blast. I get it man, I'm also over it. I thought it'd be fun to interview some of the people there. So I approached a group of really tall hipster girls who didn't want to be interviewed and told me to talk to some girl that they probably made up. So I went to that direction, approached another group to get the same reception. But... Right. And at the same time, it's actually selling for, and like, you know, ending up in people's homes. So it's funny that like parodies... So, okay. We finally oh, okay. got a couple to right. talk a little Don't bit okay. no. about it until I took out the mic. It can be completely anonymous. Yeah, I mean, because it's just voice. Anonymous. Yeah. You pull the mic and yeah. it such I know a people thing, just know? like freak yeah, out with the like, mic. Wait. Okay, I'll, I'll put the mic back in. <laughs> what I learned is that people there didn't like being interviewed about the art and don't really have much to contribute to the conversation either. But if you're into ironic art, stop by the show. You'll be entertained. I did have some favorite pieces though. There were the low relief skeletons coated in this silver sheen. I also enjoyed the QR codes next to all the paintings. I did that years ago in a group show I curated with Marshall at the Mark Miller Gallery, probably in like 2012, called Tell Them Stories. But people didn't know what to do with them then. Really happy to see them go mainstream now. Well, that's my two cents for this week. Until next time, peace. <laughs>